60,000 Haitian nationals are expected to descend upon Texas this week and demand entry into our country. If passed as precedent, many, if not most, will succeed in entering the country illegally. But while we prepare for that imminent flood of foreigners, another organized caravan is preparing to depart, with its leader describing themselves as ready for war. But Americans are not ready to fight that war because Americans are too preoccupied waging what seems increasingly to be a cold civil war at home. A dilemma made all the clearer by the fact that the leader of the next illegal alien brigade is an American himself. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Random, who says, let's go, Brandon. Very simple right to the point. I don't think it could possibly be more clear. Let's go, Brandon. You know, when I want to easily understand things and I want to uh, help myself out, one place that I always look is rockauto.com. You probably have a lot of free time, right? You got, you got nothing to do. You got no pressing matters. So I hope you have a lot of free time if, if you want to go get an auto part at the brick and mortar auto parts store, because you're going to have to drive there, get out of the car, wait in line, get peppered with a thousand questions, tell the guy all these answers if you got them about your car. Then he looks in the back. He doesn't have the parts because, no, the companies can't store all of these different parts for all the makes and models. Then he'll come out and he'll say, sorry, we don't have it. We got to order it. They go online, probably to rockauto.com. Then you got to wait a bunch of days and pay twice as much. You can either do that or just go straight to rockauto.com on your phone, on your computer. It's very easy. So simple to navigate. Even I can do it. They've got all the parts that you're going to need for your car or for your truck. Reliably low prices, family run business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and then write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you. 60,000 Haitian migrants entering this country illegally. Maybe they'll go through some kind of processing. They're not going to actually come into this country through the legal channels. Many of them will be given a court date. They'll never show up to the court date. They'll just be released into the interior of the country. Some of them will just sneak across, won't even be apprehended. Maybe some of them will be turned back, but if passed as president, not very many. And then we've already got the next migrant caravan coming up. Uh, This one is being organized by a group that for years has flouted America's immigration laws and committed a lot of crimes against the United States. This is a group called People Without Borders or Pueblo Sin Fronteras, the leader of which is an American citizen. So this is what what the leader of this particular caravan says. He says, quote, we're leaving in 20 days. We prefer to march with papers. And this time with papers or without papers, we are ready for war. If the National Guard comes, and it's unclear if he's referring to the Mexican National Guard or the United States National Guard. And they are cowardly enough to beat women and children. Does that happen? I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of that. Uh, let them prepare because God's hand is with us. We are ready for war. A few years ago, when one of these other immigration issues bubbled up, I had a debate with a friend of mine because I referred to it as an invasion. I said, we are being invaded by foreign people. And a friend of mine, very intelligent person, generally very conservative person. He said, oh, that's outrageous. That's hyperbolic. It's not an invasion. This is people who maybe they're escaping persecution. Maybe they, maybe they just want economic opportunity. Frankly, if you were in their position, you'd probably do the same thing, Michael. It's not right to call it an invasion. There's a distinction to be had, he told me, between, you know, the barbarians at the gates and people who just want to come into America and improve their lot in life. 
uh, okay, agree to disagree, we said. This situation that we're looking at, this I think is inarguably an invasion. <laughs> when you have the group of people saying, we are ready for war, we are going to come and commit acts of war. I think it's pretty clear that you are dealing with people who are invading your country. Certainly the, the group organizing this, Pueblo Sin Fronteras, that is a group that is waging war against the United States. Certainly the cartels that are ferrying people across, certainly they are waging war against the United States. And what are we doing about it? Nothing. Even when Border Patrol is trying to stop it, the politicians tie their hands behind their backs. They say, no, you can't use horses. You can't actually enforce the law. You've just basically got to stand there and take it. And our guys are being mocked. Border Patrol is being mocked by some of the worst people on earth, these drug cartels at the southern border. There are right now, this is according to Bill Malugan. Is it Magulan or Magulugan? I'm, I'm certainly mispronouncing his name, but he's a very good reporter. Uh, he tweeted out, quote, it was reported that in multiple instances over the past several days, Texas uh, Border Patrol tells me suspected cartel gunmen involved in human smuggling have stood in and near the Rio Grande and Star County and taunted Texas National Guard soldiers. They wear tack vests and have AK-47s. So we now have some of the worst, most degenerate, filthy, dangerous criminals on earth. The cartels right down there at the southern border are wearing body armor and they are waving AK-47s like they are Osama bin Laden, like they are Soviet soldiers or the other militants who stole Soviet weapons at the border, mocking what is supposed to be the strongest country in the world with our National Guardsmen standing there at the border and there's nothing they can do. What are they going to do? The minute they fire a shot, the minute they in any way defend the country, the political apparatus is going to punish them. So now we are being made mockery. In this situation, we should deploy the military. Whether, whether that's National Guard, whether we're sending in the Marines, the purpose of a military is to protect the country. And politicians of both parties are very loose about deploying the military when it involves crusades overseas to send Afghan women to go study gender studies at the university. Then that's the absolutely appropriate use of American military might to fly over to some godforsaken backwater in the Middle East so that we can install Madisonian democracy in some Sharia-run wasteland. That is the good, that's a good use of the military. That's a legitimate constitutional just use. But protecting our southern border, which is now being, which does not exist, first of all, and across which many, many very bad people, drug cartels, people preparing for war are flooding into our country. To say nothing of the alleged pandemic that we're living through, right? Even, even if they were the nicest people in the world, we're not supposed to leave our homes, but we're letting just thousands and th tens of thousands of foreign nationals pour over the border constantly. That's not, th then you're not allowed to use the military. Is that right? Do I have that right? It's a joke. It's a farce. It's a farce. And increasingly, you are seeing serious conservatives come out and say, send in the Marines. J.D. Vance, I think, said something to that effect with regard to the immigration issue. Of course. This is, this is a good uh, litmus test because 
the squish conservatives, the squish Republicans who have really dominated over the past 20 or so years, they're going to look at the situation at the border and say, well, you know, actually I was doing the GDP charts and it turns out that uh, the migration is actually really good for big corporations and big corporations are good for America and it ticks up GDP. So blah, blah, blah. Right. And so forget about American wages, forget about American security, forget about American law. All of that goes to the wayside because big corporations think they can squeeze illegal aliens for a little bit more money and the Democratic Party thinks they can squeeze them and their descendants for votes. So nation be damned, we've got to open up the borders. Or you've got the conservative candidates who say, you know, whatever contributions foreigners might make to our country, we cannot have a system where our laws are flouted all the time. So no, we've got to say no, we've got to enforce the border. Those are the conservatives to follow. And it's a popular issue, by the way. Most Americans think that we need to drastically reduce immigration, not just illegal immigration, but legal immigration too. We just take in too many people and it's causing problems. It's not even the migrants' fault. It's just the fact of immigration. You can't take in, in this country, more people than have ever moved. (laughs) Largest migration in the history of, of recorded time in the past 60 years into the United States and just expect there not to be any cultural effects of that. Of course there will be. Okay. We take so many more people in than any other country on earth. And there's just a limit to what you can do. If you take in every country, then you don't have a country anymore. This is a popular issue, but there are entrenched interests that want to, that want to keep the situation as it is to maintain the status quo. But the the polls are very clear. Gallup just showed that uh, Republicans have a huge advantage over Democrats on security and prosperity issues. So right now, significant margins view the Republicans as better than the Democrats at protecting the nation from international threats. That's 54% to 39%. And uh, ensuring that the nation remains prosperous, that's 50% to 41%. So what does this mean? A lot of people are saying, well, this bodes really well for Republicans in 2022. I agree. It does, if it's a fair election. Right. If the Democrats rig the election, then it's not going to matter. The, the polls could be, forget about 50 to 41, 54 to 39. It could be 90 to 10. It won't really matter. So how do we look at that? I think what is very important for us to do is in 2022, go out and vote for the candidates that we want. We are right in your mail-in ballot or, or whatever. Yes, I know these systems are rife with fraud. Yes, I know that the Democrats are rigging these things intentionally to give them an advantage. But the the trick that the Democrats have pulled here is it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you have absolutely no faith in the electoral system and you don't participate and you stay home and you don't go vote, then the Democrats can just point to that and say, no, don't worry, Republican votes were just depressed. So people people weren't going out there. So that's why we won. Whereas if we do go out, if you make a big show of voter enthusiasm on the right and we still lose, then it's, there's far greater evidence that they rigged the thing. Uh, but, but right now, if it's a fair election in 2022 and the election were held today, there, there is no question the Republicans would absolutely dominate. And, and a big part of that is because Joe Biden is extremely unpopular. And you're seeing this reflected not just in the right-wing polls, but even in decidedly left-wing polls. Joe Biden's numbers are in free fall. Now, a lot of this has to do with the economy being in absolute turmoil. When you want to hedge your investments against crazy economic turmoil, what what would I recommend? I would recommend you check out Acre Gold. You may have noticed that the economy is going completely insane these days and prices are going way, way up and income is not going way, way up. And a lot of people are worried about the direction of our economy. Well, one way to hedge your investments is with physical gold. Now, I know what you're thinking. Michael, I I can't afford a 
physical gold or, or physical precious metals? You can. You can actually for as little as $30 a month. No, I can't, Michael. You're a liar. Before you call me a liar, check out what Acre Gold is doing. You subscribe to their gold bars for $30 a month. Once your gold stash reaches the price of their gold bars, they will discreetly ship Acre Gold to your door. They've got a new $100 a month subscription to a five gram gold bar. I love it. I have really enjoyed investing in physical precious metals and in Acre Gold. Right now, you can go visit acregold.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to that URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar. To qualify for the giveaway, tweet or post why you should be the recipient and mention at get underscore Acre. That is getacregold.com slash Knowles. Thank you, Acre Gold, for supporting the show. I've got these new numbers here from Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac is a college in Connecticut. They put out a lot of polls. Why am I focused on the Quinnipiac poll? Because the Quinnipiac poll skews extraordinarily to the left. The Quinnipiac poll, Molly Hemingway pointed this out yesterday. The Quinnipiac poll will regularly predict huge Democratic victories and they'll end up being huge Republican victories. The the Quinnipiac poll is, is not reliable to be right down the middle. It skews heavily to the left. And even Quinnipiac is saying that Biden is is plummeting. So right now, on Biden's response to, or on Biden's handling of the economy, 39% approve, 55% disapprove. Really bad news. His job as commander-in-chief, 37% approve, 58% disapprove. Taxes, 37% approve, 54% disapprove. Foreign policy, 34% approve, 58% disapprove. Migration, oh my gosh, immigration, 25% approve. So only one in four Americans approves of of Joe Biden's handling of immigration, 67%, two thirds disapprove. The Mexican border issue, it's even more skewed, 23% approve, not even one in four, 67% disapprove. Even on COVID, COVID was always Biden's saving grace. That's why he's focusing on the lockdowns. That's why he's trying to gin up all this fear again. That's why, especially after Afghanistan collapsed, he just tried to make a hard pivot back to COVID. Even on COVID, which had been his strongest number, 48% approve, 50% disapprove. Really, really bad stuff. Even even down to personality traits. Does Joe Biden care about the average American? Only 49% say yes, 48% say no. To put that in context, back in April, 58% thought that Biden cared about the average American. 37% thought he did not. Now it's basically evenly split. Is Joe Biden honest? 44% say yes, 50% say no. That's compared to 51% saying yes, he's honest. 42% saying no, he's dishonest back in April. And his leadership skills. 41% 41% say he has good leadership skills. 56% say no, he does not. That is compared to 52 to 44% back in April. And more than half of the country, 55% of Americans say that Joe Biden is not competent in running the government. That's 55% say he's completely incompetent versus 42% who say he's competent. Devastating. If this is what Quinnipiac is saying, what are the actual numbers? You think, you think it's hard for those numbers to get even worse, but certainly, certainly they are. Well, you hear it. You heard it in the comment today, let's go Brandon, which is a euphemism for people expressing their displeasure with Joe Biden. You heard it 
when, when Joe Biden just went to visit Michigan. Joe Biden just went to visit Michigan. To, occasionally, he, he tries to get out of the house. It's good for him to get fresh air. It's good for him to get a little exercise, you know, remember what day it is. So, so Joe Biden goes to Michigan, and as he's driving up in the presidential motorcade, there are people chanting, F Joe Biden, F Joe Biden, also known as Let's Go Brandon. There are signs that say F Joe Biden. And, and Joe Biden gets to his campaign stop. He's standing in front of a caterpillar piece of, you know, big, big, heavy equipment. And he's good American manufacturing, good American farm jobs. He's an all American guy. And Joe Biden has the audacity to claim that he is the most popular president in American history, won more votes than anyone else. I took this agenda to the country. They said it was time to build an economy that looks out from Scranton, Pennsylvania, where I grew up as a kid, instead of looking down from Wall Street. An economy that looks out from Howell, Michigan, and towns like it all over America, that brings people from every race, background, religion, into the game. That's what, and notwithstanding some of the signs that I saw come, that's why 81 million Americans voted for me. The largest number of votes in American history. Clear majority were supported when they supported me. So Joe Biden, he he's clearly irritated by the let's go Brandon stuff and by the signs because he references the signs, right? He says, notwithstanding some of those signs that I saw, you know, all the ones of people saying how much they hate my guts, uh, I got the most votes of anyone in American history. I'm so popular. I got 81 million. And then what do you hear in the crowd? Did you hear that all that excitement? You just hear this. You're like, yeah, uh, 80. Uh, there are like six people out in the crowd. <laughs> you actually, when, when Joe Biden first got there, he walks in, you know, he wants to make his rock star entrance. By the way, I know it's easy to forget. This guy is supposed to be the president of the United States, right? You, you want to walk out, you want to walk out to proud to be an American with 50,000 people there, just like at the Trump rallies. Woo, yeah, Joe Biden, woo, the president, woo. What happens? He walks out. Here's his response. Hello, Michigan. It's good to be back. <laughs> Hello, Michigan. Uh, <laughs> that is, uh, I think, indicative of something that, that we talk about a lot on this show, which is the, the difference between the appearance of how things are and how things really are. The huge gap, the chasm between what our ruling class tells us the world is like and the, the situation on the ground is and what the real situation on the ground is. So what the ruling class says is, Joe Biden got the most votes ever. He got 70 gazillion votes and more than, no, I think 700,000 gazillion votes. And it was, he's the most popular president ever in American history. And yeah, never mind that no one showed up to his rallies and never mind that in order for, for him to win the White House, we had to change all of the election rules and, you know, spend days and weeks counting it. And uh, never mind that people keep booing him everywhere. There's a crowd in the entire country at sports games at concerts and everything. No, he got a gazillion, billion, zillion votes and he's super duper popular. And then there's the reality, which is anywhere this guy goes, people boo him and they heckle him. And all of the public opinion polls are saying that he's deeply, deeply unpopular. Even the ones that are supposed to skew to his side all say no one likes him. Nobody really believes that Joe Biden is the most popular president ever. No one believes it. Even the people who are claiming it to you do not really believe it. They're, we're all just lying <laughs> to one another and to ourselves if, if we are reciting the left wing dominant narrative. Okay. It's, it's 
sad, but everyone seems to be comfortable with, with the fact that we're living in lies. Stephanie Grisham, former uh, aide to the Trump White House. She was a press secretary. We didn't see very much of her as press secretary, but now she's come out with a tell-all book and she's turned on Trump and she's trying to suck up to the liberal establishment and betray all of her benefactors. And she wrote, she wrote this big tell-all and, and, and she is running into a problem here that a lot of these snakes run into, which is she worked for Trump. She benefited from Trump. Trump gave her her career. And now that Trump can't help her anymore, she turns on him and tries to make a buck. But the, the only reason that her account matters at all is if she's giving an honest depiction of what happened in the Trump White House. But if she is giving an honest depiction, then she's outing herself as having previously been a liar. Did do interviews on Fox, though. Yes. Were you always truthful there? I probably wasn't. I, pro- I, can't, I, on, I can't think of, a, of an example right now. I probably wasn't. I mean, and I regret that so much. I, I think of one example when I put the statement out about General Kelly. We have that. Can we put that up so people can yeah. see? Because I, I, oh, I want you to diagram yes. this if we can. If we have yeah. that. Can we put up? This was 2019, October of 2019. I can't remember what Kelly did, but he pissed off the president in some way. He said something mildly disparaging. And then what happened was the president forced you to put out a statement, and I'll paraphrase here if we don't have it, which basically says, I worked with John Kelly and he was totally unequipped to handle the genius of our great president. He, Trump dictated that to you. Yes, I, that's, I don't speak that way. Yeah, that he dictated that to me word for word. He dictated that. I really, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I regret it. I shouldn't have sent out that statement, that official statement. I, as the spokesman, sent out, and I shouldn't have lied on TV. I, I, I'm acknowledging I definitely lied on TV. But believe me now, yeah, I'm a liar, and my job was to be a paid liar. I'm telling you. But now, believe me. Why would I believe you? You're not a trustworthy person. You don't have integrity. You don't have integrity in that you're willing to betray your benefactors the moment you think that you can get any sort of advantage. So you have no loyalty whatsoever. But you're even admitting that your job, in your job, you were lying. So the only role that we really know you for, you were being dishonest. So why are we going to believe you now? I I certainly don't. That's why I, do, I don't think these accounts, this is why I haven't really covered Stephanie Grisham's stupid book. She's just trying to cash in and a lot of people do this and it's really tawdry and it's not nice, but also there's just nothing valuable in it because either she was, if, if she was lying, then she could be lying now. And if her, if her word is not worth anything, then who really cares what she has to say? I'm going to focus more on actual journalists who are uh, uncovering people, sort of telling the truth in what they think are moments of candor, like James O'Keefe did over at Project Veritas. He's got some great new stuff coming out on Pfizer and on the COVID vaccine. First though, when you want candor, when you want a very serious conversation about what's going on in our politics and the conservative movement, I would strongly recommend you go check out the National Conservatism Conference. That is coming up. It's going to be coming up at the end of this month. I'm extremely excited to be speaking there. There are going to be a ton of great speakers Uh, Yoram Hazoni is the uh, person sort of putting it on. He's one of the great political philosophers around today. Uh, So go check it out. I know there are some people who want to go to the National Conservatism Conference. It's in Orlando, but maybe they're a little tight on funds. Well, Yoram and the Edmund Burke Foundation have just announced that there will be a Michael Knowles Fellowship for the (laughs) National Conservatism Conference. You can be a Knowles Scholar over at the National Conservatism Conference. Uh, If you want to apply, just head on over to nationalconservatism.org 
slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Also, this coming Tuesday, October 12th, we're making Backstage extra super duper exciting. Instead of the usual Daily Wire studio, we will be live streaming our conversation on stage at the famous Ryman Auditorium right here in Nashville. Plus, we're going to be making some extremely exciting announcements, which you're not going to want to miss. Be sure to tune in. Join me, Ben Shapiro, Candace Owens, Jeremy Boring, Matt Walsh, Andrew Clavin, and our live audience for Backstage like never before. Tuesday's live stream will begin 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Central. Head on over to dailywire.com or the Daily Wire YouTube channel to catch the show and go tune in to Morning Wire. It's a great show. You can subscribe, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen. Leave a five-star review. We'll be right back with a lot more. If you believe that natural immunity is superior to whatever antibodies you get from that experimental drug, or the several experimental drugs of the COVID vaccines, well, you're a wacky, kooky, dangerous, murdering, terrible conspiracy theorist based on fact checks say not only is natural immunity inferior, but there's no such thing as natural immunity. Some people have actually made that claim. Well, that narrative just got a little bit punctured because James O'Keefe, with his journalists over at Project Veritas, just sat down on hidden camera with a number of scientists from Pfizer putting out one of, probably the most prominent COVID vaccine, and caught a bunch of them admitting that natural immunity is not only a real thing, but is superior, vastly superior to the COVID vaccine. When somebody is naturally um, immune, like they got COVID, um, they probably have better, like not better, but more antibodies against the virus. Because what the vaccine is, is like I said, that protein that's just on the outside. So it's just one antibody against one specific part of the virus. When you actually get the virus, you're going to start producing antibodies against like multiple pieces of virus. And not only just like the outside portion, like the inside portion and the actual virus. So your antibodies are probably better at that point than the vaccination. So I'm well protected? Like as much as the vaccine? Probably more. How so? Like how much more? You're protected most likely for longer since it was a natural response. We're like bred and taught to be like, like vaccine is safer than, than actually getting COVID. You cannot like talk about this in public. So there, there are, this goes on and on for 10 minutes or something like that, and maybe longer. Uh, these are three separate scientists at Pfizer all acknowledging something that we all already knew, but we're not allowed to admit. And if you do say it, then the fact checkers and the social media and the authorities and everything will, will tell you that, that it's, it's not true and you're a conspiracy theorist. But what we all know is that natural immunity does exist. And even many scientists who are being shut up, but very prominent, major, serious scientists are saying that natural immunity offers better protection against the coronavirus than does the vaccine. We Obviously, we know this because the vaccines had varying degrees of efficacy. And now, just a couple months after people have gotten the vaccines or less, we're being told that people need a booster shot. So, sure. Now, th- this is already being suppressed 
Big tech doesn't want this getting out. The authorities don't want this getting out. Very likely this show will be censored in some way because we just played the clip of Pfizer scientists coming out and saying these sorts of things. We need to ask why. Why is that? Is it because of the, are are the Pfizer scientists spreading misinformation? Well, okay, if there's disagreement among the the scientists, there isn't really, by the way, all the actual scientists say there is such a thing as natural immunity and it is superior to to, uh, vaccine uh, protection. But, But even if there were some disagreement, why are we only favoring one kind of one group of scientists over some other group of scientists, even within the same companies, even within the same institutions. It's because of political calculations, right? It's because the vaccination regime offers a a political power grab, a political advantage to the people who are trying to take more and more and more power to, to make more and more and more decisions for themselves, namely the bureaucrats and the politicians and the ruling class. All right, you can't you can't sell natural immunity, and you can't uh, dispense natural immunity, and it's it's very hard to track natural immunity as well. So the the eggheads and the bureaucrats and the power hungry people want to pretend that it simply does not exist, and then real journalists go in there and get real answers. It, it, we, I know that we we use this term journalist or reporter, investigative reporter, very loosely these days. The people by and large, who are working for the corporate press are not investigative reporters. They're not going in and finding out the truth and threatening power structures. They are the power structure. James O'Keefe and Project Veritas and a handful of other citizen journalists, those are people who are actually doing that kind of job. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. When you are actually speaking truth to power, the way that you know that you are speaking truth to power is that people don't like you very much. Okay. You know, there's this, this whistleblower, quote unquote, at Facebook. And this whistleblower is, she comes out and then within, I don't know, 12 hours of her coming out and becoming a whistleblower, she's got a Twitter account. The Twitter account is verified. She's got a hearing scheduled on Capitol Hill. She's giving national TV appearances. She's being lauded throughout the press. This is not a whistleblower. This is a celebrity. This is a plant. This is a pawn of the ruling class. Okay. A whistleblower is someone who threatens the dominant power structures. And they're not going to be given TV specials and blue check marks, you know, within minutes of starting their accounts and, and lots of special treatment and, and applause and standing ovations. They're not. They're not, not if they're actually threatening power. And the power is clamping down. Up in America's hat, our neighbor to the north in Canada, Justin Trudeau, had previously said that vaccine mandates were a step too far and it threatened people's religious and medical liberty and they weren't going to do that. You can hear what he used to say about it and then listen to how he changed his tune. What do you do with someone with an allergy? What do you do with someone uh, who's immunocompromised or someone who for religious or, uh, you know, deep conviction, deep conviction, deep convictions uh, decides that, no, they're not going to get a vaccine. We're not a country that makes vaccination mandatory, for example, Uh, that anyone wishing to travel on a plane or a train be vaccinated. And exemptions, whether they're medical exemptions or otherwise, will be exceedingly narrow, specific, and to be honest, somewhat onerous to obtain. The goal is to make sure that everyone uh, who can chooses to get vaccinated. But let me say that uh, simply having a personal conviction that vaccines are bad will not be nearly enough uh, to qualify for an exemption to that. 
simply having a personal conviction that vaccines are bad will not be nearly enough. So a lot of conservatives are pointing to this and saying, okay, the, the first Trudeau, he was right, and he was saying the right thing, and he was good. And then the second Trudeau here, where he's talking about how he doesn't care about people's personal convictions, that's really bad. And so he had, used to have a good stance, now he's got a bad stance. I think it's more complicated than that, and I want to be as fair as I possibly can to Justin Trudeau. I don't think the problem here is his stance, okay? I think either of those opinions that he just stated are defensible as a national policy. I think when, when he went out there and he said, look, this experimental drug and people, you know, with people, some people have allergies, some people have religious objections, and so we're not going to push that. Perfectly reasonable. I support that policy. Then he comes out and he says, well, look, you can't just, you can't just have national policy based on everyone's personal convictions because then you can't have any national policy at all. So the threshold for a religious exemption or something along those lines has to be a little bit higher. I think he's right about that too. Or even to go further and to say, you know, th- this, there's a principle in which we can issue vaccine mandates. Frankly, I think even that is justifiable. Here in the United States, we've had, at least in principle, uh, uh, constitutional vaccine mandates for well over 100 years. George Washington, for goodness sakes, instituted an inoculation mandate in the Continental Army. So I don't, I don't think we should go so far on my individual liberty that we, that we uh, undermine ourselves or we make incoherent arguments. I don't think the issue here is even Trudeau's stance. I think it is the lying, the gaslighting, the flip-flopping, the disingenuity. What, what Justin Trudeau is doing here is licking his finger, putting it up in the air and figuring out which way the wind is blowing and trying to figure out how much power he can take for himself. And now it, he, he used to think he couldn't take all that power. Now he thinks he can take more power, so he's going to take it. He's making contradictory arguments. And it shows you that our governments, our societies are rudderless. We don't really have a North Star. That's why we keep contradicting ourselves all the time. And that's why people feel that our, our societies are unstable. And that's why our societies actually are unstable. And we can't, we don't have faith in our institutions anymore. We don't have faith in our traditions anymore. And we don't have faith in our own elections anymore. Because we don't really seem to stand for much of anything at all. Yesterday, this, is, this seems disconnected, but I actually don't think it is. Yesterday on Twitter, there was a trending headline. You know, Twitter has trending headlines on the sidebar. It said, quote, Bill Gates said healthcare and vaccines could reduce unstable, uh, unsustainable population growth in a 2010 TED Talk, fact checkers say. So I looked at that. I said, wait a second. You're not, you're not saying this is a crazy kooky conspiracy that Bill Gates said that vaccines... Uh, could could reduce the population and population growth rather. You're you're saying that he actually did say this according to fact checkers. So then I looked it up, and you know Reuters and the AP, and they're they're all trying to cover for Bill Gates a little bit, saying oh, it was taken out of context or whatever. But then they've got the quote, and actually we've got the video clip from the TED Talk, and and Bill Gates says exactly that. Somehow we have to make changes that will bring that down to zero. This equation has four factors. A little bit of multiplication. So you've got a thing on the left, CO2, that you want to get to zero. And that's going to be based on the number of people, the services each person's using on average, the energy on average for each service, and the CO2 being put out uh, per unit of energy. So let's look at each one of these and see how we can get this down to zero. Uh, Probably one of these numbers is going to have to get pretty near to zero. Now that's... (laughs) back from high school algebra. But let's, let's take a look. Uh, first, we've got population. Uh, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. 
Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. Hold up. Hold up. What? So you've got all these different factors, the people and the services they're using and then this and then that. So you got to bring one of these numbers down to zero. You want to bring population? That doesn't sound good. Uh, okay. And, and how are we going to reduce the population? Well, if we do a really good job on health care, by health care, I think he means abortion. Right, it's pretty clear. Or contraception or something. At the very least, contraception. And if we do a really, really good job on reproductive services, that's just another dishonest euphemism to mean abortion. Okay. Reproductive. Okay. If you bring that. And if we do a really good job on vaccines, then we can bring that number down. Wait, what? I thought vaccines are supposed to improve health. I thought vaccines were supposed to allow more people to live longer. So you're saying you do a good job on vaccines and that's going to bring the human population down, or at least the growth of the human population down. Well, huh? Doesn't, I, and I do, I'm not venturing a guess as to what he meant here. I, I'm do, I don't know. Maybe he just misspoke. Maybe he didn't misspeak. The one thing we do know about Bill Gates, though, is that he has been obsessed with reducing the number of people who are born for decades now. He's given, I mean, he's talking about it here, but he's given many, many interviews on this topic. It's been a weird hobby horse of the anti-human left for decades, well over a century now. Going back to the population bomb, we were told in, in the 70s that the human population was going to increase. It was going to lead to widespread famine. We had to encourage people to have abortions and to stop having children and to use contraception. And we might even need to coerce people to do that. Paul Ehrlich, a scientist at Stanford, said that. And then what happened? Between the time that book was published and today, the world population doubled. And what happened then? Malnutrition dropped. It's at an all-time low. People are fatter and better fed than ever before. The predictions were just totally wrong. But this is a weird obsession with just reducing the number of people who exist. This is why we don't trust these people. Bill Gates is considered one of the, at least by the ruling class, probably not by most people, but by the ruling class, he's considered one of the great philanthropists of our age, one of the great geniuses, because he sold a lot of computers in the 90s, you see. And so that's why he should opine about how the world should be run. Bill Gates, this great guy. The reason that we don't trust him, he became an expert somehow on vaccines. Remember during COVID, he was like the vaccine expert. Why? I, I have the same epidemiology degree that Bill Gates does. Why was he the expert? Why, why don't, I'll, I'll reverse the question. Why don't people trust Bill Gates? It's not just because he doesn't have a degree. It's not just because he's ignorant of, on, on this topic. It's because he and his ilk have a vision of the world that is stupid and evil. Now, I'm not calling him evil. He might just be kind of stupid. Smart computer salesman, not the smartest philosopher, certainly not a great theologian, doesn't understand all that much about the human person. Their vision of the world that they're putting out here is a very stupid one, first of all, because they keep making these end-of-the-world apocalyptic predictions that don't come true. But it's also an evil one. Just as a rule of thumb, if your vision of the future of the world hinges upon stopping people from being born, either by killing babies through abortion or by you know, pushing contraception everywhere so that there are just fewer people, you're, you might be one of the baddies. Okay, You might be one of the not the good guys, one of the bad guys. And specifically, Bill Gates is focused on reducing population in Africa and India, which adds a kind of racial component to this. You know, yes, there, there are pl- enough of us over here, but what we need to do is reduce the number of those, those brown people. We've got a st- too many brown people. They're breathing too much. They've got too much carbon dioxide. So we've got to stop that. If you are 
crafting a vision of the world that sacrifices human beings to nature gods, you might be one of the baddies. You might be doing exactly the same thing that ancient pagans did to Moloch and Baal and all the other sorts of demons, okay? And you don't, you're not aware of it because you use all of these kind of really sciencey, newfangled, uh, jargony terms. But you're doing exactly the same thing. We've been going through in the past few weeks, we've been going through lots of the stupid slogans and stupid arguments that come up with, that that come up very often with abortion because abortion is a big issue. We've been talking about 40 days for life. We've been talking about the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court case that's going to be coming down to possibly reverse Roe versus Wade. We've been talking about the pro-life law in Texas, new one coming up now in Florida. So I, I keep going through all these stupid slogans, you know, uh, my body, my choice, or um, no uterus, no opinion, or whatever. But there is some guy, some poor sap, some schlubby millennial feminist girly man who made a, a, an Instagram video of him singing a song about how great abortion is and how it's wonderful to have abortions. That to, it, it takes all of the dumbest arguments and slogans and just... <laughs> Just puts them all, condenses them all into one minute. Take a listen. Some folks believe a life begins when egg meets sperm and want to force all pregnant women to carry to term. But their actions point to something that you wouldn't expect, that they think kids only matter when they're not born yet. They'll make sure family leave and childcare funding fails. Take away their parents at the border and jail. Kids beg for climate action under crippling debt. While you show them they only matter when they're not born yet. If abortion was the issue, contraception would reduce it. Oh, but wouldn't you know? Certain people made it difficult for everyone to use it. Publicly shame them if they can't afford lunch Refuse to keep schools safe from COVID or guns For once I wish their actions would disprove what I've said That they think kids only matter when they're not born yet Okay, so this boils down to one slogan in particular that you've heard very ignorant leftists use for a long time That Republicans, they're not pro-life, they're pro-birth They're not for, they only care about kids when they're in the womb but then they don't, then they don't like kids or something, right? So uh, he wants me to dis, he says, I wish they would disprove my points. So, okay, let's disprove the points. This is a short video. Let's go through every single one of them. This is, oh, he posted, of course he posted it on TikTok. All the stupidest stuff in the world I noticed these days is on TikTok. Let's roll the tape. Some folks believe a life begins when egg meets sperm. Pause. That is not just what some folks believe. That is what the science says <laughs> when, when egg meets sperm, that creates a life. It has all of the characteristics of a life, and it is not merely a part of the father or of the mother, as a sperm or an egg cell might be, but it creates a new, unique human being with a unique genetic code that will continue to grow, that begins to grow, and that continues to grow into a human being until his death. They will continue to grow in that same sort of process with that same genetic code and that same unique identity and life until their death. So it's not just what some people believe, that's what everyone believes, including a lot of uh, pro-abortion people, by the way, the honest pro-abortion people. The only people who don't believe that are ignorant or stupid or both. Continue. And want to force all pregnant women to carry to term. Pause. They want to force all pregnant women to carry to term. That's one way to frame it. The other way to frame it is 
Some people believe that life begins at conception, namely every person with eyes and ears and two, two functioning brain cells. And so we don't think you should be able to kill that person for whatever reason, just willy-nilly. You, that you should not be able to kill innocent babies. Correct. Move on. Their actions point to something that you wouldn't expect, that they think kids only matter when they're not born yet. Pause. So this is his thesis. We've established they think the kids matter when they're in the womb. He seems to be implying that the left doesn't believe kids matter when they're in the womb. And his thesis is they only matter. They don't matter at all afterwards. Okay, why not? They'll make sure family leave and childcare funding fails. Take away their parents at the border and jail. Pause. So first of all, a lot of, a lot of Republicans and conservatives uh, support family leave sorts of policies. Don't forget the Trump administration was pushing one. Even if you don't support family leave policies, one of the reasons that people don't support that is they don't want the government and the state to grow to take over the raising of children because we believe that the family should take care of children. So we certainly support an economy that allows a mother to stay home with her child, for instance. We certainly support an e- economic policy that uh, encourages people to have families. Uh, we certainly support uh, local communities helping to raise up kids. We certainly support even, even the most mainstream, you know, cha- Chamber of Commerce Republican supports child tax care credits, for instance. But I, I also think it's just an outdated talking point because so many conservatives these days are pushing for explicitly pro-family policies. Look at what Viktor Orban is doing in Hungary, Look how, which is encouraging the growth of families. And look at how many conservatives support those kind of policies here. We've now become sort of Hungary-philic over here in the, the United States because we want that kind of policy. So it's also just Dated kind of rhetoric. Keep going. It's big for climate action under crippling debt. While you show them they only matter when they're not born yet. Pause. So he says you're going to put your, your, you're going to throw the parents in jail and separate them from the kids. First of all, that's not a Republican policy. That policy began under Bill Clinton. It continued under Barack Obama. The left only cared about it under Donald Trump. And now it's continuing to happen under Joe Biden. But, but even beyond that, what we're saying is don't come here. Yes. Stay with your family. Stay with your family in your country because we don't want to separate anybody and we don't, we, we can't just have open borders. Continue. Abortion was the issue. Contraception would reduce it. Pause. That's not true. That isn't true. So uh, there is no evidence that contraception actually reduces abortion. Obviously, since the growth of contraception, you've seen an increase in the abortion rate during the 20th century. Nearly all these are according to a number of studies. 99.1% of sexually experienced women in the U.S. have used contraception at some point. So everyone has access to conception and basically everyone uses it at some point. 48% of women with unintended pregnancies were using contraception in the month they conceived. About half of pregnancies ended by abortion occur during the use of contraceptives. 10% of women using reversible forms of contraception become pregnant over... 12 months of use. And among uh, women at risk of unintended pregnancy, 89% use contraception. So that talking point, just complete, complete BS. Even though, even though contraception is available to everyone, complete BS. Keep going. Oh, um, but you know certain people made it difficult for everyone to use it? Publicly shame them if they can't afford lunch. Refuse to keep schools safe from COVID or guns. Pause. Kids aren't at risk from COVID in any particular way. I, I'm not saying they have a 0% risk, but they have a very, very, very low risk from coronavirus. All of the science agrees with that. In terms of uh, guns, uh, we went through the numbers the other day, but people are at a far greater risk of dying from knives and from clubs and from hammers and bats than they are from AR-15s or, or really guns of any sort, other than if you're talking about Democrat-run cities with gang violence, with pistols, with all sorts of illegal uh, weapons. But again, you can't, you can't really blame conservatives for that, can you? Keep going. So I wish their actions would disprove what I've said, that they think kids only matter when they're not born yet. 
not only have we disproved what you said with our uh, facts and logic, but also I think with our actions we have. Conservatives are much more likely to donate to charity. Uh, conservatives obviously are pushing a lot of crisis pregnancy centers and conservatives are, are uh, very likely to uh, uh, support adoption. And there are 36 couples willing to adopt every new baby in America who's put up for adoption. Complete B. S. It just shows you that big difference between the appearance, what we're told from the left, the narratives that, that we are told by the ruling class, and the reality of the situation. And when people wake up to it, it is almost shocking to see the lies that we're all living in. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell agrees to a temporary debt ceiling increase. President Biden's approval rating craters. And ESPN suspends Sage Steele for saying the unsayable. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Mm-hmm.